Listen, this is Wednesday night, right? I know it's been a week already, and sometimes you come in a little sleepy, but, uh, you know, perk yourself up because uh, we've got something from the Lord for you. And I want to preface our time together tonight with these words. I want you to know that this message is not a message of condemnation. It isn't a message of legalism. It is a message of life. And if I had to liken it to, to something in particular... I would say it's like a spiritual pep talk. You know how the coach will get the team in at halftime before the, you know, maybe the game's on the line and this is the end of the season. The game's on the line, man. There's a lot at stake. And he'll get the team in and he'll say, hey, I just want to remind you of a few things. Remember this, 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 this. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. Now, let's get out there. Let's play hard. Let's finish this thing. Let's win it, right? That's the spirit in which this is given tonight, and I hope you'll receive it as such. You know, throughout my tenure as, as a minister, I've had the opportunity to uh, be a, a commencement speaker at various Bible school graduations and commencement services, both here in America and also abroad. And of course, in those moments, we were gathered in those assemblies to acknowledge people uh, and reward them for their academic accomplishments. But many times as I stood before those students, cognizant of the fact they were about to be uh, rewarded a diploma, I would reflect upon the reality that one day, and I believe one day soon, every single one of us will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who will at that time acknowledge and reward all of those who have been faithful to uh, obey him, to serve him, and to carry out his kingdom purposes in the earth. I think it's vitally important, uh, and particularly now that we assess, uh, and very attentively and soberly so, the times in which we're living how quickly this dispensation is culminating and why we do what we do as believers and why we live like we live. The Apostle Paul uh, writing in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, he said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and they'll have the scriptures for you. I'll give the reference. You put it up. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I don't know about you, but that is a day that I'm looking forward to. It's one that I've anticipated since I was a child. And I believe in its imminent reality. That, you know, the Bible says not only is Jesus coming to catch away his church, to ultimately bind Satan, to restore righteousness and justice in this earth. But the Bible says that when he comes, he's bringing something with him. Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 14, Jesus speaking, behold, I'm coming quickly, 
and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. Blessed are those that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. As I said, that's a day that I'm looking forward to, and in my estimation, it's something that should be a a source of constant reflection in the hearts and minds of every Christian. That one day, immediately following the catching away of the church, will be what we term the great tribunal of the church, or more specifically, the judgment seat of Christ. One of the greatest award ceremonies you have ever witnessed in your life. Now, I know the word judgment has a tendency to make people nervous, you know. But the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with one's salvation. It isn't the time where your eternal destination is determined, heaven or hell. That will have been predetermined while in the body, on the earth, through personal faith in the redemptive work of Christ. So the judgment seat of Christ isn't to be confused with the great white throne judgment that occurs at the consummation of the millennial rule and reign of Christ and is reserved primarily uh, for the wicked dead. The judgment seat of Christ is exclusively for believers, for you and for me. And once again, it's the time and the place where our works will be evaluated and we will be rewarded accordingly based on those actions and acts of love, obedience, and service in the kingdom of God. You know, people get excited. I don't necessarily, but some people do. They get excited about the Emmy Awards, the Grammy Awards, the Oscars, the Tony Awards. And of course, those are ceremonies where people are acknowledged and rewarded for uh, their artistic abilities, maybe in acting or music or script. But how many of you know we're going to get an award for acting also? Acting like the Bible was true and living our lives in accordance with it because it is. Their reward is earthly and temporary. Ours will be eternal. Their walk down that red carpet will pale in comparison to our walk down the streets of gold with a crown of righteousness on our head. The Apostle Paul speaks of this event several places in the New Testament, one of which is in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He said, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. So the reality is, once again, every single one of us uh, will one day stand before this judgment seat and in a, in a sense we will give an account of our lives and the works that we have done while we were on the earth. And you know, at that moment, when I am looking at him face to face and you likewise, what others thought about my words or my deeds will be of no consequence. It will be exclusively his opinion and his judgment that counts. It won't necessarily matter how many trophies I had on the shelf, what kind of clothes I wore, 
house I lived in, car I drove, or how much money I had in the bank. Although we understand it is not an infraction against kingdom living to have and enjoy those things. But at that moment, the only considerations will be, did I please you? Did I obey you? Did I apprehend the things that you apprehended me for? Did I run the race that you marked out for me to run? Or did I pursue my own agenda, my own comfort, my own pleasure? Did I serve you and did I serve others with a willing heart? Was I kind to others? Did I reach the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Did I love my neighbor as I love myself? Did I love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? These are the kinds of questions that we're going to be rehearsing at that moment. And the only way that we will be able to answer those questions with an affirmative yes is if we live our lives now with a very clear sense of purpose and direction, and we run this earthly race with a heavenly perspective. Are you with me? You know, it's so easy, isn't it, to become consumed with our natural life, preoccupied with all the voices and the commotion that is in this present age and forget what our lives and our journey through this life is all about. The Bible likens our life as a Christian to a race that we're running. It isn't a sprint. It's not the long jump. It's a marathon. So we've got to pace ourselves. We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to talk to ourselves when necessary. <laughs> and we've got to keep our focus. So tonight at the Holy Spirit's direction, I just want to give you uh, some keys, so to speak, that you can implement that in my estimation will optimize our spiritual endurance. It will help ensure that we run our race well and that we can stand on that day face-to-face uh, -face with a sense of confidence. I call them things to keep, things to keep. The first one is found in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Are you ready, team? Amen. Woo! Pep talk. Amen. Wherefore, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice uh, we can continue, uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice looking unto Jesus. The first thing I want to encourage you to keep is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes, next screen, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. You know, anyone that's an experienced runner or involved in competitive racing, they will tell you that the moment you take your eyes off the finish line, 
You take your eyes off the goal. You lose your sense of focus. You get distracted by the things around you and the people around you. Is the very moment that you lose your ability uh, to run that race successfully. As we said, it's so easy, isn't it, to become captivated by our day-to-day routines, responsibilities, uh, activities, and we can lose our focus in life particularly when it comes uh, to spiritual things. So the only way that you and I are going to run this race successfully is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, notice we didn't say keep our eyes on our political uh, leaders or politicians or the newscasters, right? Or on our coworkers or fellow church members or family members, right? We keep our eyes on Jesus because people can become very distracting if we allow them to. Look, none of us are perfect. We all have our issues, things we can work on. But you know, if you and I aren't careful, we can begin to zero in on what we perceive to be the faults and the inadequacies of other people, and we can become critical, right, judgmental, aggravated, and we can begin to allow their behavior to influence our own attitudes and outlooks. So we have to keep our eyes uh, where they belong. There are going to always be distractions in this life. Satan is a master of distraction. Things are going to happen in life. Things are going to happen in this world. Things will happen in our church environment, our work environment, our personal and uh, family environments. Uh, But if we're going to run this race successfully and obtain the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, we're going to have to keep our eyes on him. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 and 27. Notice the Bible says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all the sideshow distractions. (laughs) How many of you know there's plenty of those, right? But we have a decision as to where our attention is directed. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither to the right nor left, but leave evil in the dust. I like the message Bible of Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I want to read it to you because it brings a little more clarity to this point. Notice, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans of the faith that are looking on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins Watch this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in a place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through 
that will shoot some adrenalines into your soul. <laughs> now, maybe you're here tonight and you can identify with that terminology. You just feel like, man, I just feel like for the last year or the last few months or the last couple of weeks, I'm just plowing through life or plowing through uh, situations and circumstances. Hey, he did too. You just keep plowing. Don't lose sight of where you're headed. You will come to the end of that field and it will yield an abundant harvest. Everybody say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two tonight, the second thing to keep is keep your affections on things above. Keep your affections on things above. You know, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, he said, every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. You know, as we've said several times, it's easy uh, to get entangled and captivated with the affairs of our natural life and to allow the things of the world to infiltrate our hearts and minds to such a degree that they actually become a higher priority and pursuit than spiritual things. That's why the, the Bible encourages us to set our affection on things above. Notice Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, and we have been, seek those things that are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Now watch. Set your affection or affections. What? Your love, your desire, your pursuit, your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now you've heard the old saying, it's possible to be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. But did you know the opposite of that is true also? It's possible to be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. So what do we do, man? We've got to bring a balance to life. We have to learn to live proficiently in both realms because we're natural and spiritual beings. And the way that we do that is to prioritize and to keep our affections, our love, our desire, our pursuits. Now watch this word, primarily, primarily on things above. And not allow ourselves to be consumed and preoccupied exclusively with the temporal, right? To the degree that we're forsaking the pursuit of that which is eternal. So as a Christian, my perspective in life needs to be an eternal one. This earthly life that you and I are living in this particular sphere of time is very brief. It is but a, a moment in the scope of eternity. In fact, you know, the Bible says that our human existence is like a mist that appears for a moment and then it vanishes away. It's like a flower that fades, a shadow that passes, grass that withers. Aren't you edified? But all of these analogies show us the brevity 
of our earthly existence. And so keeping our affections on things above, having a proper perspective of this world, and listen, and making good decisions in light of that perspective is essential. So the Apostle John, man, he gives us some great counsel along these lines in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Notice, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father. They're from the world. And the world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. That's you and me. So the question is, How important is it, and particularly now that you and I make our decisions in life based upon the perspective that is set forth in this verse? Anybody with me? This world is temporary. This world is passing away. And I think in light of that reality, it's important that we ask ourselves the appropriate questions about what we're pursuing and why. There's a lot of things we can do, you know, temporary gratifications, pleasures of sin for a season, and they are pleasurable to the flesh. But once again, as a Christian, I've got to make intelligent decisions based upon truth. (laughs) And the truth is, this world is temporal. It's passing away. And the only eternal things that you and I come in contact with on this planet from a natural perspective are people. And so while I'm here, I want to concentrate my efforts on things that have eternal value. Things that I can carry with me to the other side. Things that carry eternal reward. I want to impact people's lives positively. That's why being a part of a local church is so important because that is such an important arena where that particular activity and activities occur. Amen? Thank God for the local church. So I'm not implying and the Lord is not implying that we cannot enjoy this life. We ought to walk around with a smile on our face. We can enjoy family, friends, activities, hobbies, entertainment, absolutely. But what we are saying is that our primary affections are to remain on things above and all others are secondary. So it's content and potential preoccupation that we are addressing. So everybody say, keep your affections on things above. You like your pep talk? Woo! Say, go team. Now, the only way that we're going to be able to accomplish number two, which is keeping our affections on things above, is if we do number three. And that is keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart 
with all diligence. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about the heart of man. I want to read you two verses, Matthew 12, 35 and Mark 7, 18 through 23. I'm going to read them uh, back to back and consecutively and then uh, we'll comment. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure, one translation says the good deposits of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure or evil deposits of his heart brings forth evil things. Mark 7, 18 through 23, out of the 26 translations. Nothing that goes into a man's mouth from the outside can defile him or make him unclean. Why? Because it doesn't reach into his heart. It goes into his stomach, passes out of the body altogether. It is what comes out of a man's heart that pollutes him. For from inside a man's heart come evil thoughts, adultery, theft, murder, jealousy, slander, arrogance, all of these evils issue and proceed from within. <laughs> so what does this tell us? We know we're new creations in Christ. We know all things have become new. But even after you have done a reconstruction, right, or a brand new renovation, so to speak, you still got to pay attention to what kind of furniture you're putting back in the house. Right? So this scripture, these scriptures tell us that the heart of man is like a bank account. Whatever is deposited, that's exactly what will be withdrawn. The heart of man is like a fertile field. It's one of the most fertile fields in existence. Whatever seed is planted in the field of the heart, it will germinate. It will be cultivated, it will develop, and it will release the fruit of that seed into the life, whether it be positive or negative. So Jesus said once again, Matthew 12, 35, a good man out of the good deposits of his heart is going to bring forth good things of the good treasure, right? So uh, sometimes people say to me, Brother Marty, and I've been there, friends, we all have to live this life. I've learned these things personally. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't raised in a church where they taught these things. But they'll say to me, Brother Marty, man, I don't understand my actions, these strongholds, these thoughts. You know, I respond and react improperly at times. Sometimes I fly off the handle, I get angry, I find myself, I'm a Christian and I curse. I don't understand myself. What's going on? Well, I probably got a good idea. It's a little uh, uh, saying that I taught my girls from the knee high up. I said, listen, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Whatever is planted in the heart will proceed out of the heart. And guess what? The entrance to the heart, friends, which is the seat of your person where the spirit and soul join, it's the seat of your person. The entrance of the heart is the eye gates, the ear gates, the meditations of the mind. So the music we listen to and the lyrics, the media that we're watching, online, the movies 
Sorry, full of profanity, sensuality, violence. You're eating a meal when you sit there with that. Right? The company and companionship we keep. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> Man, we got to be aware. We've got to be cognizant of the deposits we're making. The seed that's gaining entrance because once again, our hearts are non-discriminatory where seed is concerned. What I'm the gatekeeper, that's my job. So whatever seed I allow to be planted will once again be cultivated, developed, and released into the life. And it produces uh, the fruit of whatever the nature of that seed may be. Are you with me? So that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Hey, keep your heart with all diligence. Pay attention because out of it are the issues of life. One translation says, above everything that you guard, guard your heart because it is the fountain from which your life springs. So you might be here tonight and you say, yikes, I haven't done a very good job. I realize I, 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 I've fallen into that kind of casualness and I'm not really being a good steward of what I'm allowing in. I got some good news for you. Maybe you got some bad seed planted, but did you know what? You can clear the field. You can wash the pot. You ever taken a glass and you got something in the bottom of it and you want to get it out, you stick it under the faucet and you turn it on full blast. And what happens? Displacement. You just wash it out of there. Put yourself, inundate yourself with the good word of God. Start listening to good sermons on whatever your podcast or your website or whatever it is. Man, just start inundating yourself with the word of God and you will displace the old with the new and you'll have a new, new harvest. Absolutely. So give yourself a little time and apply that. Uh, John G. Lake said this and we're going to move on. If one would be a Christian, I mean a real one, he said. We must close the heart, close the mind, close the being to all that is unlike God and live with an openness to God only so that the glory of God shines in, but all that is dark is shut out. Isn't that beautiful? So let's live with an openness to God. What do you say? He's coming soon. Let's do this thing. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your affection on things above. Keep your heart with all diligence. I got two more. How many can stick with me? They're relatively short. Number four is found in Jude 20 and 21, verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now watch keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life or unto eternal life. Uh, the fourth one, keep yourself in the love of God. Now, how many of you know that's a full-time job for most of us? <laughs> but Jesus said in John 13 and 34, he said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you. 
So a commandment is, in a sense, a law, right? We have natural laws like speed limits. And why do we obey the speed limit? Because we know if we, if we don't, we are going to potentially suffer the consequences, right? And I must admit, I have uh, ignored and suffered the consequences of that particular <laughs> law at times. But the law of love is a law. And, uh, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we adhere uh, to that law because it is a commandment. So the love of God is typified uh, by this particular characteristic in 1 John 4 and 7, notice, and verses 10 and 11 also. But 1 John 4 and 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Now watch verse 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now there's the, there's the uh, terminology. Not that we loved God but that he first loved us. So God said, listen, irrespective of your, of, of your initial spiritual condition, your performance, your response to me, uh, your faults and your imperfections, I loved you. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for, for the ungodly. And so he's basically saying, listen, if I can love you in that way, right? Irrespective, once again, of your imperfections, your faults, your unkind words and deeds or inappropriate responses at times, and we all do it. For goodness sake, can't you extend the same love and courtesy to one another? And we can, can't we? We can. None of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes at times. We're going to respond and react improperly. But we've got to love one another, forgive one another, and extend uh, the same love to one another that we're looking to God to extend to us. So Jesus speaking in Mark 11, 25 and 26, you know, he talks about this love walk and this forgiveness in relation to faith and prayer. Notice what he said. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. In order that your Father, who is in heaven, may also forgive you of your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. Good Lord, man. I don't know about you, but I need to be on the mercy end. <laughs> the Bible says he who sows judgment without mercy will reap judgment without mercy. I'm going to give the mercy. Anybody else? So, you know, unfortunately, sometimes life is painful. People can cause you pain. We understand that events and situations and sometimes we can allow these little grievances and these offenses, you know, to get down into our hearts and formulate what Hebrews calls roots of bitterness. You're familiar with that terminology. How many of you know how a root of bitterness formulates? Through reflection. The offense occurs the words were spoken, the deed was done, the heart was wounded. 
But then we begin to reflect on it. How could you treat me like that? How could you say that? How could you do that? And we reflect and reflect and reflect until it gets down into the heart. It takes root. And then the Bible says it brings forth the fruit of bitterness. <clears throat> and man, that stuff is destructive. It'll affect us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Listen, like, you know, like I said, I, I grew up Southern Baptist, but when I was 18 years old, I went to a Catholic Bible study. <laughs> and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost <clears throat> in a Catholic Bible study. So, they, they, you know, charismatic renewal, been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. So here I go. This is June. I'm going off to college as a freshman. I get up to Samford University. Y'all know where that is in Birmingham? <clears throat> and so I'm a freshman. I'm in the C dorm. I don't even know if they still have it, but you got three guys in one room. Freshmen had to room together. So my buddies are out. My roommates are out, and I said, oh, man, I'm going to get down here while nobody's here, and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost because it was a new experience. So, man, I'm praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. All of a sudden, man, I'm in the Spirit. My eyes are closed, but I'm seeing a vision, which is a spiritual vision. My eyes are closed, but I'm seeing in the Spirit realm. Never had anything like that happen in my life. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, in this vision... I see a massive file cabinet. And you know how they label, used to, they label the outside of those file cabinets with, you know, either the content or alphabetically or so forth. So in this vision, it scrolls down to the bottom drawer. And on the bottom of that drawer was written the word unforgiveness. And a huge hand opened that drawer and when it did, out popped the face of my dad. And the, and the word of the Lord came to me. You have unforgiveness against your father. In the deep recesses of your heart, you need to let it go. It's not only hindering you, but it's hindering him. Now, I wasn't cognizant of the fact that I had unforgiveness in a sense. I knew that growing up, my dad was a wonderful man in the sense that, oh, man, he'd give you the shirt off his back, community. I mean, just, you know, in the natural uh, eye of things. And it was genuine, great provider. <clears throat> but he had a, a quick temper, you know. And if you ever set him off, you better run to the hills. Mama, kids, pets, everybody. So... I grew up walking around my house on eggshells. Don't want to set daddy off. And I resented that. And I resented the way he treated my mother. And I guess I held that in. Even though we were affectionate, we loved, my dad kissed me. We, you know, we were affectionate family. But you had those moments. Anybody understand? <clears throat> and I'll tell you something. When I was down there, I said, Lord, have mercy. I didn't, Lord, I release my dad. I love my father. I forgive him right now. And can I tell you something? 
Not only did I get up from that floor, uh, you know, a, a sense of freedom. And I seemed to really move forward personally. But I started praying for my daddy. <laughs> and he had a supernatural visitation. And he said, <clears throat> excuse me, he was sitting in his office. And he said, right before his eyes, a curtain opened. And he said, I saw my life. I saw my actions. I saw my responses and I was ashamed. And the Lord just touched his life. He went home, took my mother in his arms, was crying, asking for forgiveness. My mom said, am I going to die? <laughs> he said, no, honey but you're going to enjoy life a lot more. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you something. For the next 42 years, my father was the sweetest, most gentle, got baptized with the Holy Ghost. He'd cry saying the blessing at Thanksgiving. I'd say, Dad, we're just saying the blessing. But who are you doing? He was so tender. <laughs> Somebody say, let it go. So we've got to do it, don't we, friends? Flesh is flesh, no matter whose bones it's on, Daryl Copes used to say. We're going to walk in love. That doesn't mean you have to stay in an abusive situation. Doesn't mean you have to be somebody's doormat or entrust yourself to someone who isn't trustworthy. But it does mean we've got to keep our own hearts void of offense, unforgiveness and resentment, and extend mercy and forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. All right, guys, here we go. This is our final one. Thank you for your patience. We're talking about running our race tonight, finishing strong, enduring. Number five, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Galatians 6 and 9, let's not grow weary in well-doing or while doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. As we said, we've got a race to run. We've got a course to finish. We've got a prize to obtain. We want our testimony to be the same as the Apostle Paul's. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, you know, he finished his course. Watch his testimony. He said, I have fought a good fight. Sometimes it does take a little fight, as Pastor said. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. You know, a crown is a symbol of honor. It's the emblem of a champion. It represents a place of dominion and rule. And the crown you and I are going to re receive represents a place that God has prepared for us. But guess what? We do have to contend for it. There are different types of crowns. That victor's crown we're going to contend for. Notice 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Watch what Paul said. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it 
to win an eternal prize. The King James says, an incorruptible crown. Thank God for the blessing of the here and now, but nothing is going to compare to that moment and that day when we see him face to face and we receive that incorruptible crown. Woo! But guess what? Revelation 3.11, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. That what? That no man may take your crown. That victor's crown. Don't let the flesh take it. Don't let the devil take it. Don't let discouragement and disappointment take it. Don't let offense take it. Let's forget yesterday. Come on, let's run this race. Let's get a fresh wind. Let's finish strong. Let's realize why we're here and what this life is all about. Are you with me? I'm going to leave you with these two scriptures. I combined them just as a kind of a motto for the next few months, however long or years the Lord tarries. I don't believe it'll be too long. Notice, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Stand firm, unyielding, unrelenting, determined, and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence, knowing that you prosper and you excel in every season by serving the Lord. And your union with the Lord will make your labor productive with fruit that remains. So whether you're serving in ministry tonight, a layman serving as an, uh, you know, uh, in an area of the local church, an employer or an employee, housewife, whatever it may be, let's all, as the body of Christ, guys, let's finish strong. Let's run the race. Amen? Let's endure. Everybody say, I will run my race. I will finish my course. I will keep my eyes on Jesus. I will keep my affections on things above. I will keep my heart with all diligence. I will keep myself in the love of God. And I will keep on keeping on. Amen. I said, Lord, I wish I had a song that went along with what you put in my spirit. And I put in the words, well done. And this song came up and I want to uh, play it uh, for you. The guys are going to play it. And listen, I'm going to let it go. And then I'm going to come back for just a few moments. If you'll be patient with me uh, after this plays, let this minister to you. If you want to worship with it, you can go ahead, guys. What will it be like when my pain is gone and all the worries of this world just fade away? What will it be like when you call my name in that moment when I see you face to face? I'm waiting my whole life to hear you say, well done, well done, my good
just for a minute. I know this is a little different tonight, but uh, we just want to take a moment just to wait on the Lord here. Thank you, Lord. Turn it up, please. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I just want to give you an opportunity based upon the word that was spoken. You know, maybe you just need to take a moment between you Lord and get some things settled if you need to if you need to let some things go maybe someone's hurt you wounded you you've been carrying it it's not a hard thing to let go just right there where you're seated you can do that just tell the Lord you forgive them you release them Father, we acknowledge the time is short. We understand why we're here as the body of Christ, our assignment in the earth. We want to be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be fit to do our assignment. Tonight was not condemnation, it's life. And we pledge to you, sir, in these remaining moments of this dispensation that we will run diligently that we will be strong in the Lord and the power of your might that we'll keep our eyes upon you we'll keep our affections upon you our hearts with diligence walk in love Keep on keeping on until the day we see you face to face. Glory. 
You know, the Lord speaks to me um, in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs many times, prophetic psalms, sometimes in public, sometimes in private. And the word of the Lord came to me in the not too distant past. But you know, when God gives things, they're, they're resident in your spirit. So they come up out of your spirit into your mind. So the word of the Lord came to me, not at this moment, but in the not too distant past, but it's coming up in my spirit. And he said, the gathering of the saints is drawing near. So open your hearts and be attentive and hear. For this earthly race that you're running carries eternal glory and weight. And your reward will be waiting the day that you enter heaven's gate. And so lay aside every encumbrance. Set your affections on things above. Keep your heart with all diligence and walk in a spirit of love and run the race that is set before you with great passion and zeal and determined intent so that the day you stand before me you will be found faithful and you will have accomplished that for which you were born and that for which you were sent. And so, keep your eyes steadfastly upon me in the days ahead. And listen carefully to my spirit. And endeavor to be led so that your steps will be ordered and your paths might be made secure and fight the good fight of faith and remain steadfast and endure. And so shall you be rewarded an incorruptible crown on that day. And as you look upon the face of him who has redeemed you, you'll hear him say, well done, my faithful daughter. Well done, my faithful son. Well done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. How many are we going to run the race? Hallelujah.